Thank you. Thank you. It's a blessing to have you all here with us. Like magic, Wesley. You weren't there before I was blowing the horn. That is great. Right. Yeah. Okay. You gonna join us, Mrs. Blair? Or are you gonna hang out by yourself in the kitchen? Nope. I'm gonna be right here. Yay! I mean, I gotta stop on the stove, but I will be right here. All right. Hi, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you how much you love us and you, how you you walk with us as we walk through life. And we thank you for this this church. We thank you for your blessing upon everybody in this church and all of our families, all the families that are uh, getting married and the the people that uh, they're they're getting married to and and all of their families, but. Um, we just we just thank you for everybody that's not here and protecting all of them and 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 being with them and uh, we just praise you and thank you that we can gather here and worship you and and just have a great time together and we thank you for uh, just your love and mercy and grace in Christ's name, Amen. 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 Praise God. Okay, so this is blessing and faith. Hebrews 11, verses 20 and 21. And so I trust that by the time we get done with this, the next time you say, God bless you, <laughs> uh, or you speak blessings on someone or something, that more of your faith is engaged in the process. It doesn't just become a greeting just or a, just a word something we say. Yeah. Or, or actually a, a euphemism, a southern euphemism for there's a problem. You know, she just always gets lost, bless her heart. You know? <laughs> so, um, language has a way of sneaking, uh, sneaking around to something less than it was intended to be. So I trust this will help. Okay? So blessing and faith. Hebrews 11, verses 20 and 21. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So, I'm not going to get to all of this, but we'll get to some of it, okay? So, Genesis 27 and, and verse 1. When Isaac was old... And his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau his older son and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. His older son. You know, I don't know. We don't know. You know, was it a minute, two minutes, half hour? We don't know. But he was his older son. And he said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. That's and, all of us. And that's pretty much unless the Lord lets you know. And, and I'm glad... Because we'd worry about it as we got closer. Yeah, we, we, we might be concerned. But you, you catch the tenor of this, right? Isaac is old. He's already blind. And he's thinking, I've got, I've got to get my house in order because I don't know when I'm departing. That's kind of like the sense of what's going on here, right? I'm, you know, I don't know what. I'm old. I don't know when, when my day of death is. So now take, now then take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the field and hunt game for me. 
and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat that my soul my soul may bless you before I die I want to make sure I take care of this before I die so this is an urgent matter for Isaac I mean near urgent it requires his son to go out and track down a deer which in my experience if you're by yourself it might be two or three days. Over two, three years. <laughs> it could take a bit. And then, um, even if you're using, well, he's using a bow. So, even with a bow, you're, it's, it's some time. You know, if you track the game, if you're hunting in that fashion, you're tracking the game. You've got to sneak up on the game, then you've got to shoot the game. And once you shoot the game, the game's on. So once you shoot the game, then you got to wait. You don't want to chase the deer then, because if you spook it, you're going to wind up having to trail that blood a lot longer than you want to. You got to let that deer run, then you got to track that deer, and you got to find it, and then you got to field dress it, and then you got to carry it all the way back, and you got to skin it, and you got to butcher it. Now that takes some time, and and um, let's see. My nearest time signature. This is with a, this is with a lamb. So from from kill to table was like three hours, and that was with um, that was with help pulleys and modern convenience. So you know convection, not convection, but you know, regular oven stuff like that. So it, it, it's near a minute, you know. So we don't know how long it's going to take. But it's going to take a little bit of time. I'm just giving you some perspective there. That is, that's hunting, or is that? No, 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 no. That's that. That was that's a that's a that's a lamb. That's not hunting. Uh, oh, so, okay. So okay. In, in in hunting, take a little bit longer. A lot um, longer, maybe. And, yeah. and usually, you know, usually we'd bring them home after field dressing, and then yeah, then skin them. We've actually years and years ago we we. Uh, we did that for what other churches would call Sunday school. We had a deer hanging up in the house across the street, and then we just invited all the kids over whose parents agreed, hey, if they want to learn how to skin in a deer. In the garage. Not yeah, in the garage. <laughs> we broke, so we took all the kids to church, and then we went over there and skinned the deer, which was really cool. Anyhow, <laughs> it takes a bit. Remember, uh, Esau was a man of the field. Jacob was a man of the tents. Okay? This is, uh, this is a painting called The Mess of Pottage by uh, James... Uh, to sew. Uh, you're familiar with his paintings even if you haven't seen this one. If I showed you some of the other ones of his fancy ladies and such, you would recognize him uh, pretty quickly as, as a painter. This is from, uh, they say, roughly 1896-1902. But this is Esau and Jacob. Mike, I kind of like this painting. You know, I don't know how old, it, you know, how old you would picture him in this. Maybe young men, you know, maybe late 20s, early 30s. You got the redhead hairy guy. Okay, Esau. <laughs> And then, and then you got Jacob, and Jacob stirring the mess of pottage. I bring this up because I, I think it's important how we picture Scripture. God gave us an imagination, and then He wrote things down. And, and so, how we look at it, and how we think of it, and how we see it, I think informs our faith. And so, I keep referring back to my illustrated Bibles and children's storybooks. But I pretty much grew up um, imagining this taking place, you know, when these guys were young. And uh, I just want to bring some framework to your imagination so you can see this. You've got, you, now, their dad was 60 when they were born, so, you know, I mean, okay, he's feeling old and he might die. 
So I want to give you some age frames for the scene when Isaac is going to bless these boys. So Isaac is 60 when Esau and Jacob were born. We know this from Genesis 25-26. He prayed. He interceded for his wife for 20 years. He did not repeat the mistake of his father. <laughs> he, uh, he prayed for his wife. He interceded for her. They got married at 40, and she had the boys when he was 60. Now, Jacob was 130 years old, and Joseph was 39 when Jacob comes into Egypt. We know this because when he reveals himself to his brothers, they're two years into the famine. He says there's five years left. He enters the service of Pharaoh at the age of 30, so that's nine years. That puts Joseph at 39. Jacob shows up. Pharaoh asks him, um, how old are you? Because, I mean, like, Jacob, looking old, right? And Jacob says, I'm 130, okay? And that, I'm 130, is, I believe, Genesis 47, verse 9. So, what that means is, if you've not, and I know I've shared this before, but it just kind of helps frame this up for you, that the Jacob to whom Joseph was born was 91 years old. Remember he always calls Joseph the son of his old age? Yes. Right? So, Jacob is 91. See, if, if Joseph is 39 and, and Jacob is 130, right, then that means he's 91 years old when Joseph's born. So now we just got to walk the ages backwards a little bit, right? See, Jacob gets the blessing and leaves home because Esau is going to kill him. And he gets with, with Laban... And, and Laban says, well, don't work for nothing. What are you going to work for? And he said, well, I'll, you know, I'll work seven years for your daughter. Um, was that Leah and Rachel? Right. Rachel. So now Jacob sees Rachel, and, and it's, it's biblical love at first sight. Right? It's all he knows of the gal, that the older sister is soft of eye, but, ooh, Rachel was beautiful to look at. And, and so he served seven years to get Rachel. And he loved her so much that to him it didn't seem like a long time at all. And then he has the first night of his wedding week and wakes up and finds Leah. And, and he and Laban have this nice talk. And it's, it's like, how could you do this? He says, well, hey, look, I, had, I, you know, I couldn't give you the younger daughter. Tell you what, spend the week with Leah and then I'll let you marry Rachel but serve me seven more years. And then God saw that Leah was hated, but Rachel was loved. Now you understand this love-hate thing, it's a matter of degrees. It's not like, it's a matter of degrees. Yes, yeah, right. In comparison to how Jacob felt for Rachel, Leah was hated. But, I mean, he only hated her but so much, right? He had four kids, so it wasn't like he was neglecting her, or not going by her tent, or not interested at all. I mean, first time around, he was just fooled. Next time around, he was just, you know, compliant. So, um, in this whole process, now this is just family relations in the Bible. It's all in the Bible. Um, Rachel's barren. And finally, she has Joseph. And Jacob goes to Laban and says, give me my family, I've paid. That tells you seven years has gone by. Right? Because it's at the end of the seven years. He spent his seven years for, for Rachel. So now 
He's been with Laban for 14 years to get, at the time, Joseph's born. Understand? He served, he served him a total of 20 years, because he served him six years for the cattle. But he served, he served a total of 14 years. Okay, so how old was he when uh, Joseph was born? 91. 91 when Joseph was born. So if, if Joseph was born 14 years after he started serving Laban, that means he left uh, at the age of 77. Okay? You follow me? So when Jacob goes in to Isaac, he's a 77-year-old man. When Jacob goes into Leah, he's a 77-year-old man, which might explain why he might have had a little problem there in the tent at night. Okay? I mean, expected one thing, then you know what I'm saying. So, it's understandable. Alright? It's important to check under the bed. That's right. <laughs> Genesis 27-2, he says, Behold, I am old, I do not know the day of my death. That's what Isaac said. Well, he was old. He's 137 years old because he was 60 when Jacob was born and, and Jacob's 77 when this thing happens. So that puts Isaac at 137. Here's the good news. See, Isaac, um, Isaac died at 180. So Genesis 35, 28 says, Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. And Isaac breathed his last and he died and was gathered to his people did I say it was 25, 28 to 29? 35. It's Genesis 35, 28 to 29. And Isaac breathed his last, and he died, and was gathered to his people, old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So Esau and Jacob, when they together bury their father, they're 120 years old. And when Isaac was blind, thinking he was at the end of his days, he had 43 years of life left. Wow. Okay? Of those 43 years, 20 of which he didn't see his son Jacob. So when Scripture tells us that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sojourned together in the land, you just got to get this feel. You know, it wasn't like they, they, they parted company and never saw each other, weren't around each other, all this kind of stuff going on. Okay? So, um, 43 years of life, 20 of it, so... so 20, 23 years, Esau and Jacob had made peace. You know, we know the peace breaks down, but they'd made peace for that time period. Okay? So, before we dig into Genesis 27, because that's what it's referring to in Hebrews, and this is, this is how you, you get rich in the Bible, right? So, if, when you're doing your devotions, you're reading the New Testament... And, and it refers to an Old Testament passage. Um, endeavor to dig deeper than just the one verse it might refer to. You know, get your context and get your continue to 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 bathe in that history because it's your history, it's your faith history. So from Genesis one twenty eight, we get a blessing primer. What a blessing is, what it what it does, what's what's the characteristic of a blessing. And first of all. The blessing is productive. Be fruitful and multiply. God 
considers unfruitfulness to be evidence of cursing and uselessness. Right? So from, from the parable of the vine, one of Jesus' last walks before the cross with his disciples, the, the, the ones that are, aren't attached to the branch, they get gathered up and thrown in the fire. Jesus encounters a fig tree with no fruit on it, he curses it. Right? So the nature of God is to impart life and to bless. And so blessing is fruitful. Alright, so it's productive. The next thing it is, is that it's pervasive. <laughs> it doesn't stay in one place. And I will bless you and you will be a blessing. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So blessing is pervasive. It promulgates, right? The next thing it is, it's powerful. Fill the earth and subdue it. A blessing imparts power. Okay? And then finally, it's protective. Have dominion. Have dominion. So this is our primer in blessing from, from the first blessing of God to humans. Okay? Now, the other thing about blessings, here, here's some just general natures of blessing, right? It's transmitted from the greater to the lesser. You know, with... Without, without argument, basically, Hebrews 7, 7 says that the, the lesser is blessed of the greater. So blessing flows from higher authority to lower authority, parent to child, right? Um, authority figure to lower authority figure. That's, that's how blessings flow, okay? So when we say bless God, that's a different use of bless. That's, that's a praise type blessing. But what we're talking about is the impartation of life and abundance, Okay. It confers abundant and successful life upon something or someone. And we see this in Genesis throughout, really. But I've quoted Genesis 1, 22 through 28. And it is normally futuristic. The blessing, and this is why it is blessing in faith. Faith, faith sees into the future, remember? Faith is farsighted. Faith calls that which is not as though it were. And when we bless in faith, what we're doing is we are in faith grabbing the foreknowledge of God and His, His will and desire and speaking it out prophetically so that people can walk in that blessing. Isn't that exciting? I mean, when you bless someone, you're involved in the prophetic act of a priest. <laughs> that's like... We are a priest. Exactly. Exactly. So... The, um, the, transmission of, the transmission of blessing generationally and, and, and how, this, how this flows and imparts, that you will be a blessing. All the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. So you see this cascading effect of faith and faithfulness. It's not just you. It affects everybody downstream. That's the other, that's the other factor of it being futuristic. I've shared this before. I've encountered... I've encountered... Um, people in my life who are just put together. They're favored. You know, things go well for them. They're generally healthy. Um, they've got it together. Uh, jobs go well for them. Life goes well for them. And, and, and you, you kind of do a life inventory and, and they are, I mean, I'm, they're not out there killing rabbits or anything, you know what I'm saying? But they're, 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 they're not believers. 
But you talk to them for a while and you find out their parents were, or their grandparents were, or like within a generation, two or three, there's this massive commitment to God, generationally, and this child is living in that favor, Amen. not really knowing, you know, mm. which, is, which is kind of good and kind of a shame. I mean, it's good that they're living in the favor, they're not knowing is kind of a shame. But it's the goodness of God, right, that leads us to repentance. Amen? Amen. So, <clears throat> this word, uh, Barak, to bless, in uh, this book, uh, Creation and Blessing, which I'm going to quote out of by Alan P. Ross, it, it, it's... It's, it's one of these books that I just go back to all the time. It's just been so rich for me in life. But this is, uh, this is early on in this, in, this, um, in this exposition or this commentary on, on uh, Genesis. And, and he says, Alan Ross says, A study of its uses, this word Barak, to bless or enrich, a study of its uses in Genesis shows that the giving of a blessing bestowed prosperity with respect to fertility of land and fertility of life. The gift of divine blessing included the empowerment to achieve what was promised. Isn't that good? Mm. Included the empowerment to achieve what was promised. God was therefore always the ultimate source of blessing, even when it was communicated by an individual. Mm. Always the source. So, you know, Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fishes and he blesses it. And there's 12 baskets left over. You see, that you bless food to feed a multitude, it's empowered to feed that multitude. It's not restrained by its material. It is multiplied by the Creator. Amen? That's a blessing. Amen. That's what you do with a blessing. That's how you can heal with blessing. This is how you can set people free with blessing. When you're ministering to people and... And you, you, you just you need to be attentive to the Lord, but oftentimes the barriers. What is the what's the opposite side of the coin of a blessing? A curse is a curse, and and so removal of a curse isn't sufficient. You got to go the extra mile. You've got to infuse the blessing. So if someone's been cursed with poverty, you know I break the curse of poverty. You know. Well, are you going to bless them with prosperity? Because that's what you need to do. Right? This is the antithesis of the spirit of law and life in Christ Jesus to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are, Thou shalt not murder. The, spirit of, you know, the, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus is, Raise the dead. <laughs> you know? It's not restrain yourself. Restrain yourself from anger is, is you know, one level up. But where he really wants us is, Raise the dead. You know, don't don't covet. Um, won't kick the demon out. <laughs> you know these kinds of things, right? So, it it the blessing includes the empowerment to achieve what was promised. When you when you bless, you're hearing from God His intended divine future for the individual. And so, what you are doing by speaking, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Rhema of Christ. When you bless, what you, are, what you are doing is you're broadcasting the fruitful, productive future of the individual upon whom the favor of God you are placing. <laughs> so exciting. Okay, you have to say that one more time. It's going to be on the recording. That's why I was excited. I was like, 
Man, that sounded good. I can't repeat it, but it'll be there. You know, join it on the podcast, Anchor FM, Maranatha Teachings. Really, I, I, it, but but that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. You you are proclaiming that that future divine will, God's destiny for that individual, and you're releasing by your words and faith the favor of God over them. Now they've got to engage faith as well, but you started something. You know, uh, anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, that's that's Alan P. Ross, Creation and Blessing, out of page sixty-six. If you ever read the things about that thing, okay. So Genesis twenty-seven. If you have your Bibles, go there because I don't have it up on the overhead. Um, you just take a sneak peek because I might have changed. I didn't change this one. All right, twenty-seven. It's just worth a read. It's not a long chapter. So verse 1, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here am I. Here I am. <clears throat> and he said, Behold, I am old and do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord, bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. You think he can cook? I can cook. So, so Alan P. Ross does a, he just does a great analysis of this in Genesis 27. All, all the things that Isaac is trusting to impart this blessing, God uses to impart the blessing, but on Jacob. And, and there's all this just delicious, if you'll pardon the pun, um, interplay going on in this family, right? I, this is worthy of a telenovela here. Okay? And it. And so, uh, you know, she's going to cook it. Yeah, he, it's, so i got to tell this story because it just came to mind and it's fun. So, Mom always said that my dad didn't like coffee. He just liked sugar water, you know. Yeah. And, and so they had this argument. So, Mom, Mom drank her coffee without sugar. And she, she had some sort of coffee, usually a powdered coffee creamer. I, and, and anyhow, if and I would fix their coffee in the morning. So, I'd get up, you know, five, six years old. I'd get up and I'd make their coffee. So, Dad... Dad had black coffee with two and a half teaspoons of sugar. Can you believe it? <laughs> no wonder you had dentures, right? Really sweet coffee. And then mom had this black coffee uh, with a creamer in it. And if I made the mistake of stirring my dad's coffee first and stirring my mother's coffee <laughs> after, it would ruin her coffee. That's how sensitive she was wow. to the sweet. Oh, yeah. It's like, ooh, yeah, you know. So I learned early on not to make that mistake. And so um, they would have this uh, intellectual debate about whether or not he actually liked coffee or just sugar, sugar water. So she decided to run an experiment. And, and so she, she took food coloring and boiled up some water with food coloring to get it the right color. And then she added sugar to it. She served him the coffee. And he said it was great. Uh, <laughs> really? I have a personal opinion that she didn't win her point. He just knew that he was trying to get her. He didn't want to have an argument. But <laughs> right? And so, and so here is, here's Isaac, right? 
and, and he's like, you know, son, go get me some food. Make me that meal I really like. And, and, and so Rebecca's got a couple of things going on. She's had a prophecy over these boys when they were born. That's one. Two, she hates her daughter-in-laws. Okay? She's not getting along with her daughter-in-laws. Esau's so. to be exact, because Jacob hadn't married Rachel. Later. <laughs> uh, 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 these, the, yeah, because Jacob hadn't married yet, but she, she didn't like these daughter-in-laws. She's like, ah, this kid ain't getting the blessing. And besides, I, I can make mutton taste like deer meat, so don't even tell me I can't cook, right? That's my interpretation of what's going on. Al Ross does a better job. Anyhow, much more biblical than all that. So, uh, so you may bring it to your father and eat, verse 10, so that he may bless you before he dies. And Jacob, always the practical man, says to Rebecca's mother, Behold, my brother Esau is hairy and I'm smooth. <laughs> He's not going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps my father will feel me, and I and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. It, it, this is yeah. some real danger. Yeah, that's right. There that's, was a danger. Yeah, that's a real danger in this, right? Because we're messing around. Not only are we messing around, with my dad. We're trying to fool a blind man, and God doesn't. You know, God's not keen on that to to really interfere with those who have a handicap. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and I go, and, and, and I go, bring them to me. Dangerous, dangerous words. This is how, by the way, Jacob's wife dies. <laughs> because when she steals her father's idols and hides them, she calls a curse upon herself, and as a consequence, dies in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin. So, this, this, is, this is live fire stuff here. Okay? Blessings and cursings. They're not a joke. They're real. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, <clears throat> such as his father loved. And then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, 77 years old, still living with his mother. <laughs> you know what he didn't have? Video games. No video games. All right. <clears throat> And he put them, uh, put them on her, uh, on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the, of the young goats that she put on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared in the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, here, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that, I, that you found this so quickly? <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty advantageous there. And, and he said, Because the Lord your God granted me success. <laughs> you can see him in the bench. Ah, you know. Um, and Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you really are Esau or not. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That was, if you're doing the telenovela, that's the commercial blurry, by the way. That's when you cut away and you try to sell some products because you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Okay. <clears throat> so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, Are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank, 
And then his father said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. The other thing I want to bring up here is, okay, so there's a lot of subterfuge going on, right? I mean, you know, he's he's claiming a word from God. He, I mean, you know, he didn't get a word from God, but he, he's claiming assistance from God to do, he's doing something he didn't do. <laughs> he's deceiving his father. He's lying to his father, right? Uh... Isaac's doing the best he can. You can tell he's suspicious. But note the rush that isn't. Note the time taken. Bring the food. There's contact. There's communication. He's eating it. He eats his meal. He has his wine. There's, it's not this, you know, okay, I'm here for a blessing. Okay, let me bless you. Like we do, right? Yeah. Okay, now's the time to do the prayer. Now's the time to do the blessing. Now's the time to, you know, rush, 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 rush. Anyhow, these things take time. I blame the microwave. Um, then his father said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. Okay, i got to pause for a second. So, Blessing can take on, you can find all kinds of ways of doing blessings, okay? One of the uh, simplest ways to impart blessing, God has loaded the Bible full of them. So all you have to do is find them and then speak them in faith over people. Right? So if you're concerned about, I don't know if I'll get a word from God, uh, you know, I, well, I haven't received my prayer language. Um, okay, find a blessing in the Bible and speak it in faith. This is, this is, so this is one, one means. We do this um, at the end of every service. We always speak a blessing over ourselves, right? In the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with us all. Right? So it's the blessing. So another thing that happens See, God communicates to us the way he, he wired us to understand things outside of us. So those are our senses. We usually just get them encapsulated down to five. There are actually more, more than five senses, if you didn't know that. Like, sense of direction. <laughs> like when you have vertigo, it's not your feeling that's being affected. It's your sense of place. So there are more than just five senses, but there are primarily, all right, what we would consider the primary five senses, the seeing and the hearing and the smelling and the tasting and the touching. Now, personally, when I get around very prophetic types, because I don't generally work this way in prophecy, um, it makes me nervous when they do, which is they will um, resonate with something in the environment and then catapult into a word from that. Um, examples are like the flight number somebody flew in on becomes some sort of, you know, a numeric prophecy, or uh, the, 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 the color of clothing, or uh, the song they came in on, and, and things of this nature. I don't know if you've ever encountered this or not. I say all that to say this. Isaac embraced his son and smelled his clothes. And from the smell of his clothes, prophecy flowed. Mm. Okay? 
It's a means by, this is one of the means by which God does talk to you. If you believe His involvement in your life, in your daily flow of life, what we consider oftentimes to be coincidences of thought pattern are God getting your attention. The way you see a particular cloud, or the, the way, you know, I remember, um, I have it written down actually, but I remember driving to work one day and saw a double rainbow, and the double rainbow, uh, first of all, it's a rainbow, right? So that should be a hello. <laughs> I mean, any view of a rainbow should never be a casual experience, right? And, and, uh, and then it was a double rainbow, and then out of this double rainbow came this word of prophecy, which I, then I wrote down, okay? Right? So this is what's going on. I just, that, that's just a side that didn't cost you anymore, right? You understand? We're talking, about, we're talking about imparting spiritual favor, okay? So, he smells his clothes. He says, the smell of my sons, the smell of, of a field that the Lord has blessed. And that, that's a... That's a blessing in and of itself. Um, may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. So he was successful in the hunt. I mean, there's, there's some gap of time, right? They had to prepare the food and do all this kind of stuff, but I mean, Esau's back pretty quick, and the timing's pretty... I mean, if you're a TV producer, this scene writing's pretty tight, right? You know, it's not like three days later, Esau shows up, because Jacob gets the blessing, and he's out the door, and Esau's there with, hey, Dad, it's time to eat! <laughs> we need it's time to eat. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat his son's game that you may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? <laughs> so you get that dun dun dun. And he answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came and have blessed him. And check this out. Yes. And he shall be blessed. What? Because apparently he can't take it back. It's a real thing. It's he connived, he lied, he deceived, he snuck in, and the blessing he got was real and irrevocable. Mm -hmm. uh, that was his life pattern. <laughs> Deceiving. Uh huh. And I guess they both had been since he did. He had to ask Esau those same questions. You know, he was expecting what for him not to tell the truth either. I mean, I, I, I think he's just shocked because he'd just been through that whole meal, and then Esau shows up. Before so he, that, didn't he say something questioning? Yeah, yeah, he was he was questioning Jacob because he wasn't quite sure it was. But the the, the point here is is that this impartation is real. It's real. He has the he owns something, and he has real authority. And when he imparts it, it's on its way. It's going. And the kingdom of God, the callings that you know, the, the the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When God gives it, He's invested it with power and authority and favor and life, and it's just it just keeps going. 
This is why you can still plant a garden today, so many millennia after being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and things still grow. Why? Because God spoke that blessing a long time ago, and it's still working. Amen? And He will be blessed. Um, where was that? And... So, verse 34, as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even also my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Now, to be fair, Esau had sold it, to, you know, he sold it a little while ago for that mess of pottage I showed you. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright. Not true, you sold it. <clears throat> and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. They kind of go hand in hand. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And he answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you and all his brothers I have given him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained them. What then can I do for you, my son? He didn't leave anything on the table. Now, having given it all doesn't mean more didn't show up. My point here is, he didn't leave it. When Jesus blessed the five loaves and two fishes, he didn't keep half a fish back just in case they didn't make it to the 5,000. Right? He served it all. He served it all. Okay? <clears throat> Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. You're a raider can't grow food for yourself. You don't get rain for yourself. All you can do is fight and fend for yourself. There's your blessing, Esau. Mm -hmm. And there you have what we call today the Middle East conflict. <laughs> like it's something new. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I'll kill my brother. It's a long time to hold a grudge, right? <laughs> yeah. So he thinks dad's going to die too. Dad's got 43 years of life left. Mm -hmm. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, I feel so much better when I think about wringing his neck. <laughs> therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise and flee to Laban, my brother, and, and Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. What you have done to him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love this fact? Yeah. You know, you know, she didn't tell you to run away. He forgets what you did, you... You lion. I can see I can see her and Isaac in the tent. I don't know what got into those boys. <laughs> oh my 
my gosh. Oh, right. <laughs> but yeah. you've done them. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of both of you in one day? Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what she means by that. Personally, I don't think Jacob could take Esau. Matter of fact, I don't think Jacob thought Jacob could take Esau, even on his good day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he bribed him off, remember? When he, it's like, right. You know. right. Although he did have that practice session with the angels, so you got to give him that. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. And if Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? This is how much she didn't like her daughters-in-law, right? And anyhow, so that's, that's Genesis 27. Um, so now Genesis 48, because Jacob blesses Joseph's son. So it's interesting to see if we're all, you know, and this is the beauty of the Bible is that God just shows us uh, his love through all our warts. And, and yet these men and women of God really do grow. They grow. And in Genesis 48, verse 1, it says, After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed, and Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. This is Jacob adopting Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh, not only born in Egypt, but born to an Egyptian woman. Okay? Um, so, if you... If you uh, if you want to go from here, you can just do your, your own personal study and study the spirit of adoption and, and how we've been adopted into the kingdom. But this is this is adoption here. He takes them, he takes Joseph's sons as his first and second born. As Reuben and Simeon. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. You can have the rest of them. Then shall they shall be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Paddan, my Padan, my sorrow, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way, when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And when Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? And Joseph said to his father, These are my sons, whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. That see, is recognizing the blessing of God, right? Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim on his right hand toward Israel's left hand. And, um, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near him. Why? Manasseh is his oldest, so he's placing his oldest boy to Jacob's right and his next oldest boy 
to Jacob's left because the older son is supposed to get the blessing. And Joseph's life lesson has been that as a favored younger son, your brothers hate you. <laughs> they do all kinds of awful things like throw you in wells and sell you to slavery and all this kind of stuff, right? And maybe he's heard the stories of, you think, of Esau and Jacob. You think maybe when all his brothers got sent forward as potential cannon fodder to Esau, and he got kept back, you think maybe he got some ribbing for that? Mm. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, you guys got to be in the second camp. We had to go meet Uncle Esau on our own. <laughs> you know? So he puts his oldest son forward. And... Uh, and Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the, hand, on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the hand of Manasseh, crossing his arms. <laughs> For Manasseh was firstborn, and he blessed Joseph, and he said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long this day, the angel who redeemed me from all evil, the angel who redeemed me from all evil, Bless the boys. Now we see the agents of the blessing. So when you get a word from God, and you, it's, it's just, it's not the, there's so much new age crud that goes on in these chicken soup for the soul and all this kind of the secret and, and all these, if you ever get involved in any kind of motivational thing for corporate America or business, you know, it's all this, Set your sights on what you want, and the universe will bring it to you. No, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't. What happens is, you speak the Word of God in faith, and angels attend it and make it happen. Real persons, spirit-being persons of the kingdom of God, running interference and, and running vanguard, rearguard, these are agents of blessing. They impart strength. They impart health. They can impart wisdom. These are messengers of God. Now this angel that delivered him from all evil is a special use of angel. We're talking about the angel of the Lord or a Christophany, right? But just so you understand um, how that transmits. I picked up the wrong thing here. So the boys. Let's talk about the boys, right? The lads, the lads it says in, in the King James, you know? So the age of the boys. Again, I want to just give you a frame here, because most uh, most drawings or paintings you'll see of this are of are of two young boys that Joseph brings to his father, right? So we gotta do the same thing we did with uh, Esau and Jacob. So Joseph's thirty when he stands before Pharaoh. We know this from Genesis forty one, forty six. His sons were born before the years of famine. We know this from Genesis 41.50. So they're, they're born inside that seven-year window of plenty. Kind of makes sense. How could it be a year of plenty if you're, or, or a, a famine and wasting if you're having children? Right? I'm not saying no children were born in that time, but I'm just saying it just makes sense that they would be born in the years of plenty. right? The family reunites with Joseph's 39. That's Genesis 45.11. And we know that Jacob's 130 when he comes into Egypt. That's Genesis 47, 30, uh, verse 9. So he's 91 when Joseph's born. We've been through this math, right? 130 minus 39 is 91. 
So Jacob is 121 to 128 years old during the years of plenty. Those seven years of plenty, Jacob is 121 to 128. And then two years of famine, 129, 130, he comes into the land. Jacob blesses the lads at the age of 147. That's Genesis 47, 28 through 48, 1. So that's how old Jacob is when he blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. So what this tells us is that Manasseh is no older than 26 years old. Because he's born in the year of plenty. And in the years of plenty. And the earliest age of Jacob in the years of plenty is 121. Right? So 147 minus 121 is 26. That is the oldest Manasseh can be. And Ephraim can't be any younger than 19. So, because he's, he's born in that, front, in that framework. So that framework is anywhere from 19 to 26 are the age of these boys. Okay? Just to give you a frame as to how this is transpiring. So now, you have a different picture. You have young men whom Jacob is adopting on his knees. Young men who are presented to his right and left arm. And Jacob, who's dim of eye and of old age, takes his hands and crosses them. Why Jacob, not Esau? Why Ephraim and not Manasseh? Because God wants us to know, amongst a bunch of things, is that it's because of His election, not because of your birth and genetics. Not because of your placement in society. Not because of your birthright. But of His birth calling. So you're saying that the two boys of, of Joseph were 27, 28, and yet in the Bible it talks about how um, Joseph took the boys out from between his knees or something. Yep. I don't understand. They were that old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but how do you take them out between his knees when they're... You know, it's like they were kind of down there when they're... Huh? Yeah. I, 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 I imagine maybe Jacob was more limber than we give him credit for. Maybe they were sitting at his feet. <laughs> yeah. Kneeling. But, That's yeah. right, kneeling, yeah. right, or sitting yeah. at his feet. But I mean, it makes you think that they, these are two young boys about this. Yeah. That well, maybe or, you know. That's, that's why the paintings look as they do. But if, when you run the numbers, this is what yeah. you get. Genesis 48. Verse 17. Poor Lola wants to be in church so much. She's crying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Verse 17. Uh, let's see. Let me get the right chapter here. I'll start in verse 16 again. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it, it, it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to, to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. 
He also shall become a people, and he shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. How? God will be with you and bring you again to the land of your fathers. How? When he appears there with his bones. Bones, right. Here, here again is, is, is how we hear the word and the truthfulness of the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're Joseph. How exactly are you hearing this word? Yeah. Yeah. But, hmm. um, moreover, he was given, he, he, he had, moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. And that was, you know, the whole thing about his daughter Dinah and the sons. Uh, taking over uh, Shechem. So, uh, the next verse in Hebrews tells us that by faith Joseph uh, gave direction concerning his bones. It became apparent to him how how he was going to get into the land, but the further implication of that is he's buried in his inheritance. He got buried in that place that Jacob gave him. Right? And so there's this expectation, even in the movement of his bones, of the resurrection. So, what about us? What about our blessing? Acts 3, verse 25. Remember, we're adopted. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant. This is Acts Acts 3, verse 25 and 26. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God having raised up his servant, sent him to you first. Why? To bless you. How? By turning every one of you from your wickedness. That is the ultimate blessing, is to be set free from your iniquity. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and he began that by destroying his work in you. (laughs) You're blessed. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Mm-hmm. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Hmm. Amen. <laughs> Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right. He sure has. Mm. He sure has. He sure has. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome, awesome. Praise God. Everybody.